The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on, on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. It's a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trip move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. You hear the theme music and you know what that means. It is Panhandle Sports Live for this 24th day of October 2023, approaching Halloween weekend. It's going to be a fun and spooky couple of days in both the real world and the sporting world. And the crew is reunited in studio Uh, Back from the big city, back from the Big Apple, experiencing quite possibly the most entertaining football game in the history of the National Football League is one Parker Stone who rejoins us here in the historic Hoppy Kerchival building. Uh, Mr. G-Man, good morning. Good morning. Hope we're doing well this morning on this Tuesday. Absolutely. So we're going to kind of have an abbreviated, we had the majority of yesterday's show dedicated to reacting to over the weekend, but I did that solo. So we're going to get us some of Parker Stone's thoughts here. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to hear a couple of comments from Mountaineer head football coach Neil Brown, who met with the media yesterday after another just soul-crushing WVU football loss. We're also going to look back at last night's Monday Night Football. You can clown me on the text line, 304-263-4321. I said Kirk Cousins had no chance in primetime against who I thought was the best team in the NFC, and the Vikings won. We'll also look at Game 7, which was a non-contest in the ALCS. We'll talk about Game 7 in the NLCS coming up in just a little bit's time. But like I said, we bring Parker Stone back. We have a whole weekend of football to talk about. So you look and saw what we covered on Friday. You know, another loss, unfortunately, for Berkeley Springs. And as we said on the show yesterday, with Magnolia winning, that now means that Berkeley Springs has the longest active losing streak in high, uh, West Virginia high school football. Uh, We also had a really interesting EPAC matchup between Spring Mills giving Martinsburg all they could handle defensively, struggling a little bit offensively. We had Musselman and Jefferson. Jefferson distancing themselves from the Appleman. We had a quality win from Washington, setting up a really interesting Washington-Musselman football game. We've got Shepard football, WVU football, NFL football that all happened over the weekend. So, Park, just uh, pick up the baton and start running with it. Well, overall, as you mentioned, I'll kick off with what you mentioned about Berkeley Springs. Yeah, sadly, that makes them now the longest active losing streak in the state. Hopefully, it gets righted this weekend as they play Braxton County High School. The Eagles have really struggled this season as well. And if 
Berkeley Springs can go full force and give all those highlights and high moments that we've talked about this season. If they can put those all together in this game, there's a real shot, I think, for an opportunity to snap that losing streak for Berkeley Springs. I know that community's been really waiting for a win out of that football team. It's been almost two years to the day now at this point, but it's we're holding out faith, holding out hope. I know Coach Eddie is really trying to get things and get a culture and rebuild this program to what – he wants it to be, and he's talked about it before on the show. He wants this team to be cont- always in contention at some point for the Class AA playoffs. And I think long term it'll get there. It's just again laying the foundation, uh, the foundations, excuse me, at this point for Berkeley Springs. And hopefully they ride it this weekend against Braxton. That game's going to be a Saturday kick at two o'clock on Cool 92.9. As we made the transition over to Cool 92.9, very exciting things going over on that way. And overall in the, in the Eastern Panhandle, yeah, as you mentioned, Spring Mill struggled offensively against Martinsburg. To their credit, I think this is arguably the best defense Martinsburg's fielded since the turn of the turn of the century. And this has been, just been a ridiculous defense that Martinsburg's rolled out every single week but it shows the Cardinals can hang with some of the um, some of the state's best and I think that's the biggest takeaway I had from that it's a team that can win probably in round one of the playoffs depending if they go on the road or if they're at home if some of the dominoes fall certain ways and the like and now I am very worried we talked a little bit I know you mentioned our Panhandle High School football game of the week this weekend it's going to be Washington and Musselman this this now becomes more of an interesting game I think because depending on how things go because Spring Valley ended up beating GW last week. It was one of those contingencies that we were looking at in the prognosticator for the playoff rankings that could be an in or an out for Musselman and could be a deal breaker to put It absolutely Spring knocked in. them out. They're, they're, they should be 17th when the playoff rankings come yeah, out. Yeah, so that, that now it's going to be Musselman has to win every single game from this point just to have a fighting puncher's chance to make the playoffs. So, and it's a Washington team right now that's playing with nothing to lose. They got a nice win over Hampshire over the weekend. It, they, they're playing with house money at this point if they're able to knock off a Musselman team that's traditionally been one of the powers in the eastern panhandle it'd be a statement win for coach ray in that pats program that's got a lot of young core a lot of young pieces that they're they're trying to build around for the future over in washington that's going to be an exciting matchup and for jefferson's sake they're pretty much steamrolling i think to a first round host in the playoffs right now they look really good only one loss on their season right now against sharanda or excuse me two losses between sharanda and martinsburg on their season so, I mean, they're in a spot to where they can, I think, host in the first round if things fall their way. Only thing that may cost them might be the games against Sharando and Millbrook, but it's a team that I think can host in the first round. Absolutely. Well, you were with me on Saturday for Shepard as well. 59-21, to 21, they were able to defeat Westchester. So let's get your reactions to, uh, you know, the two, the two college teams of interest in the state of West Virginia for us. Shepard dominates Westchester. We got to see a lot of the, the twos and the threes and the fours. We had a touchdown for Sling and Sammy. Ezra Bajan threw his first couple of passes as a Ram. Uh, and then we followed it up in the 330 window by getting our hearts shattered um, by what Oklahoma State did to WVU running the football. Uh, and they lose that game by two touchdowns. So your thoughts on those two games? Well, the Rams are back, folks. If you had any doubt on them there, <laughs> that's the that's the Shepard Rams you've known and loved for years to come. They absolutely, I was expecting the Rams to be favored in that game against Westchester. 
to whip them up that bad, that's that's a statement win right there. That's that's letting people know, hey, the, the Rams are not taking a back seat right now to things. And it's exciting. That's a great game. We knew coming into the game, Westchester's rush defense was struggling. And, well, the Rams took full advantage of it. Malachi Brown had one of his best games of the season rushing the football. He was named the PSAC East Offensive Player of the Week. Jordan Barnett also had a fantastic game. Four rushing touchdowns between the two of them. Great plays from Jeremiah Taylor and Barry Hill as well. The defense looked fantastic. Kevin Cowser got a sack in this game, as well as mentioning he was able, was able to put a spin top celebration on one of them, too. And the defense balled out. The offense is playing great. This team's finally coming together. And again, Coach McCooks talked at length about how some of these guys were young coming into the season, had to grow into their own. Because if we look at the season last year for the Rams, they were very much upperclassmen heavy. Now these younger guys who were part of the twos last year are getting their moments to shine. They're really growing during the season. And that's what you love to see from a Shepherd point of view. And I'd be remiss to mention the uh, first ever regional rankings for this season yes. coming out for football were out yesterday. Well, I'm so, so I wish they would change the way they do that. So they for people them. that aren't familiar, they put out ten names and they put them out in alphabetical order because for whatever reason, the first time they do it, they don't rank them, which I think is just stupid. But yes, yeah, Shepard, continue your point. I'm sorry. Shepard was ranked in the, or it considered amongst consideration for the region rankings. They're in the top 10 right now and in the top eight seeds get into the NCAA tournament on the Super Region 1 side. Those teams are Assumption, which, if I'm correct, is out of the GMAC, Cal, Charleston, which is in the MEC, East Stroudsburg, Fairmont State, another MEC school, Frostburg State, another MEC school, Kutztown, the Rams, Slippery Rock, and Tiffin, who I think is as well as out of the GMAC. So no any ten, no 10 teams are in the Super Region 1 rankings for the start right now. But again, a key point here, Frostburg State and Charleston both play each other this weekend. So that could knock one of them out as a two-loss team the out MEC's of the MEC is not going to send that many teams. The MEC is probably going to send one. And yeah. it's probably going to be the winner of Frostburg State and Charleston. Exactly. will be the end up with that one. There's a real possibility the PSAC could have five out of the eight spots. I really think so. A, a Tiffin's undefeated. I think they get a spot. And it depends on what Assumption does as a two-loss team and one loss in conference play. But it's a real possibility we could see these teams roll. And again, it breaks it up. We've mentioned this on our Rams broadcast. The November 4th game, not this upcoming weekend, but the next weekend against East Stroudsburg is going to be uber important if the rams win that game lock it up they are in the playoffs for super region one if they don't win that game it's going to be maybe some fate has to go their way maybe a team drop a game maybe Kutztown get blown out really bad in the PSAC championship game if they make it that far a lot of things going for the rams right now but if it's anything from last weekend they're looking good on the wvu side of things maybe the contradictory of what we said the good things about the rams not looking good for wvu their rush defense was absolutely pitiful in that game and it was not Only Gordon good. had 150 rushing yards in the fourth quarter. He he, Gordon lit them up really really bad. I remember I was I had the game. I was listening to it on the way up to New York on Saturday. I, I shut the game off after Gordon scored that touchdown in the fourth. Which <laughs> one? Uh, yeah, good, good point. That's, that's a point in itself. It's just yeah, bad performance for WVU in the fourth quarter, letting things slip. They played well against. This was supposed to be a struggling Oklahoma State team, and now they're five and two. So it's now the Mountaineers got to kick things into gear. They got some tough teams coming up UCF who gave Oklahoma a great game last week they're next on the docket you've got Cincinnati you've got 
just teams coming your way. You got Baylor, who's still coming up towards the end of the year. You got to rattle off some games now to get bowl eligible. Two games to get bowl eligible right now is maybe the tempering of the expectations. It's kind of happening right now for WVU fans instead of, well, maybe eight wins, maybe seven wins, maybe it's six. Some people are probably even afraid that the Mountaineers aren't going to make a bowl game this year and go five and seven again. If that's the case, Neil Brown is gone. But I, I think this team has enough in it to get bowl eligible right now. They got some players who are still trying to get healthy, I know of. But if that happens, again, I, I have full confidence this team will get bowl eligible. They'll get six wins in some form or fashion. But definitely a bite, a biting blow to see this team's expectations maybe get tempered a little bit from what they were maybe about three weeks ago. Well, when it rains, it pours for WVU fans because two really unfortunate things happened yesterday. Number one, Raekwon Battle. Uh, his waiver was denied by the NCAA for the Mountaineer men's basketball team, the transfer from Montana State that we were hoping, uh, frankly, if he was eligible, was probably going to be the odds-on favorite to lead WVU in scoring. That waiver's been denied. WVU is going to appeal it. The only thing I'll say, I mean, reserved from our stupid the stupidity of the NCAA, because we've obviously found out in the last couple of months that Kansas – uh, played an ineligible player for an entire season. And yes, they're going to have to vacate some official victories, but no one's really taking away them going to the Final Four. And it ended with a slap in the wrist and no suspensions. For the NCAA to be so heavy handed in some of the penalties they hand out, not the others. And for the NCAA to try to defend athletes and then just not defend athletes. I mean, these are guys that make basketball such an important part of their lives and you're taking it away for what? It drives me incredibly insane. So Raekwon Battles waivers denied. And then the WVU football team, who's taking on UCF coming up uh, this Saturday, and we'll have nine hours of game day coverage here on WVPM and WCST. UCF has not won a game in Big 12 play. They're 0-4. They open up as a touchdown favorite against West Virginia this Saturday, which seems to me, and I know, I'm not a betting guy like Parker Stone, that seems like easy money to me, which makes me think like I'm the chump in Vegas' this scenario and there's something that I'm missing. So all of a sudden the momentum that we had coming into this season of a 4-1 and football team and a Mountaineer basketball team. And look, here's the only thing I'll say and the only thing I'm allowed to say. I'm talking, I was talking to some people that were very familiar with the program that said that this WVU basketball team looks very good. With battle on the floor, there's a tremendous uptick in their production, meaning they're still going to be good without him. They're still an NCAA tournament team without him. They're still a team that can compete in the top five in the Big 12 without him, but with him, they're missing an opportunity by not having him on the floor. So just a really tough 48 hours. Back it up a little bit further to Saturday as well for WVU sports fans. I just don't understand why what there needs to be a concrete level of disciplinary and procedure from yeah, the if he NCAA. played for Duke he'd be eligible no months yeah ago. yeah if it's Duke if it's Kansas if it's North Carolina basketball he would be playing 100% right now I, I just don't understand why what's the deal with the NCAA and WVU men's basketball specifically that now multiple times we have seen this over uh, Jose Perez's issues we've seen Omar Silvario's issues Raekwon Battle now I'm surprised there haven't been any other players that haven't added issues with the NCAA and WVU men's basketball I don't get it is it the NCAA is it the NCAA's way of saying all right you put up and handle the Bob Huggins situation bad here's us pouring down on you I, I don't understand why it's just been an absolute just horse shoot 
of how the NCAA has handled WVU men's basketball, the transfers they had coming in. They've been trying to rebuild a program and bring in guys to help this program really progress and make waves in the Big 12 because, I mean, there's some juggernauts out there in the Big 12 right now. Houston is a contender for the national championship once again this year. Kansas, who brought in Michigan's best player, Hunter Dickinson, is going to be playing center for them this year. And you just go down and Baylor, who went to the national championship a few years ago. Texas, who was fantastic last year. We we can go all day down the line of WVU's basketball opponents for this year. They're all going to be pretty good, at least competitive for the most part. But I, I just don't understand why the, this thing has been an issue. I mean, we'll, we'll point outside of basketball and go to football now what we saw with Tez Walker at North Carolina and his issues that he had he was trying to transfer he seemed like he was clear to go it was denied he didn't get to play for weeks and then the NCAA finally did the right thing I love how you mentioned that Luke it's because why are you stripping away the opportunity for an athlete to play there's a limited amount of time I don't know if any of these players for WVU have pro aspirations or overseas aspirations but you're taking away reps and games from them that can get them paid in yeah, the future two more things I want to say about, about this number one we're watching this situation unfurl with Michigan and we're trending towards Michigan not being penalized for just blatant cheating they're cheating there is a I was just reading this morning you can find a Venmo payment from a member of the Michigan coaching staff to a GA to send them to uh, the national semifinal game involving Georgia um, it's a joke and the NCAA is not going to put their foot down number one that's that's number one number two is this if the NCAA is going to be so stingy with denying these waivers and keeping these kids off the floor Raquan battle is a product to the NCAA at minimum, he was the best player in a Montana State team that made the NCAA tournament and played pretty well. In fact, he led all scores in that NCAA tournament game when they lost. You are depriving yourself of that asset if you let him transfer without telling him of the, or making clear what the repercussions would be if his waiver is denied and then denying his waiver. The NCAA, like you said, needs more rigid guidelines because there's a quote that in Metro News' article today talking about this from uh, WVU interim head coach Josh Eilert, uh, and it reads, worst-case scenario, and this is a couple of months ago talking about his waiver. He doesn't get it. We have to do what's best for Ray- Raekwon, so we're going to keep him involved in everything we do, keeping our thumb on him, so to speak, in terms of getting him better each day and staying locked in. I worry about that for Raekwon because he really does need basketball in his life. I've touched on his story a little bit, and I don't want to get into it. You guys will probably get into it with him, but basketball is something he needs on a day-to-day basis that he has been deprived of from the NCAA that encourages transfers but then denies their waivers without clear exceptions. Denying a waiver of one player, accepting another. Nobody knows when they put their name into the portal what the NCAA is going to do. So you've deprived him of of an opportunity to play basketball, which according to Josh Island, he needs in his life. That's what the NCAA is doing, and they continue to make a mockery of themselves. Anyways, we're behind on this first break. When we return, we'll hear some comments from Mountaineer head football coach Neil Brown, and we'll continue Parker Stone's reaction to the weekend because I want to talk a little bit more Tyson Bajan, uh, but we'll continue the conversation on Panhandle Sports Live here in just a moment. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, this Tuesday edition. Luke Wicks rejoined by Parker Stone. We're going to get to Neil Brown's comments here in just a second, but uh, on this Raekwon battle story, I saw something that caught my eye. It was kind of interesting that was posted at uh, 6 o'clock yesterday from Mike Stewart, um, who's running for Attorney General in the state of West Virginia. 
Uh, and the tweet reads, I'm calling BS on the NCAA ruling on Raekwon battle. After North Carolina Attorney General put the NCAA on notice regarding transfer Tez Walker, the NCAA granted his waiver as WV Attorney General Ide put the NCAA on notice too. So I understand that he's trying to, you know, use that as part of his campaign. Um, but maybe there's an opportunity for the Attorney General's office. That's how this has become so stupid. That that's certain. That's something that has to happen to get a football player eligible. And then he included the uh, the 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 letter that was sent by the North Carolina Attorney General um, that goes something along. The, I'll read the first two paragraphs, and then we'll get to the Neil Brown tape. Uh, addressing this to the University of North Carolina, I would want to express my concern. I write to express my concern about the NCAA's decision to bar. Uh, Devontae Walker from playing football for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill this season. That decision is wrong and likely illegal. So we'll see if uh, that's something that might matriculate here in the next couple of days in the state of West Virginia. But Mountaineer head football coach Neil Brown met the media yesterday recapping the loss against Oklahoma State. Before we turn our attention to UCF, let's listen back to what Neil had to say about uh, Saturday's game. Really uh, disappointing loss uh, to a good Oklahoma State team. And I think... um, they, they played well. They've played well three weeks in a row. Uh, they're a good team, and, and Mike's done a really nice job with that with that group. Um, small margin for error in the Big 12. Uh, you've heard me say that. Um, fine line. We're I mean, we're could be 6-1, and one and uh, but we're sitting here 4-3. and three. And the reason behind that is, you know, we had leads in the fourth quarter uh, the last two weeks, and and we haven't finished. Um, we haven't finished very well, particularly on defense. Haven't played well at all in the fourth quarter. Um, I think the biggest stat from the game on Saturday uh, for me was 17 to 0, 17 to zero, and that was points off turnovers. Uh, we created two, um, one on special teams, one on defense, and we turned those into no, zero points, and they they got 17. You know, and they jumped off to 10-0 start based on on two turnovers from us offensively. Uh, so I think that was the the big the big stat takeaway. Defensively, quite simply, just wasn't good enough. Um, you know, our D on, on the positive side, I thought our D line played better. Um, you didn't did not play very well against Houston, but I thought they bounced back and 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 most of those guys played better. But you know, we just we played poorly at outside linebacker, at inside linebacker, and safety. And so and those are all your leverage points on defense. And we just we didn't. At our spear and our spur, we didn't do a good enough job of, of maintaining leverage and using our hands. Uh, at safety, we, we didn't fit the run. Um, we let their motion affect us more than it should have. Um, and then our linebackers, we got too close to line scrimmage, and then we missed tackles, and we got out of gaps. And so just did not play anywhere close to good enough at, at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, safety. We had 16 missed tackles, and, and I may be being kind. We may add more, but we, I know we had 16. Um, our run defense, you know, it w- was not anywhere close to what it needs to be. And that kid's a good player. You know, I said I sit here last week on Monday and talked. I, I said I think he's probably the, the best kid we've played against. Uh, running back wise um and you know he's really good and and we gave him a lot of air to run in and so um and then a couple killer penalties you know we had a um unsportsmanlike by lee like we had him at second and 12 on the we just had huge momentum got a kickoff uh tackled him and I think the 16 yard line minus two on the first play and he gets that penalty and then uh Ben's late hit uh, it was a good call, and it was late, and had 30 yards on that on that one play, which was 
you know, was killer. Uh, and that was on a drive. They took the lead. Um, and just, just overall, I think the, the thing takeaway from defense is, is like we have to be better fundamentally. Um, you know, offensively, you know, I thought that uh, Garrett continues to play at a high level. He's getting better. You can see his confidence. Um, he had three really costly plays. Um, the interception, he threw that double move into cover two. He should have hit Cole or just ran it. Uh, that was a bad decision. He knows it. Missed a touchdown when we had to kick a field goal there, 27. When we tied it at 27, we really had a, a touchdown play. He just came off of it too early, and then he had the pull when he should have handed the ball off on fourth and two. Um, but but other than that, man, he, he played really well. Um, you know, ran for over 100. He's throwing, he continues to throw the deep ball. A um, lot of explosives. I thought we were good on third down. Um, we've been uh, really good in some two-minute mechanic stuff. I would like to finish that drive the other night. Um, but I think he's playing well, and we're getting our passing game going with some of our run stuff. So, you know, we got to continue to build on that. I thought we left 17 points out on the field. Um, Cole's, Cole's fumble is inexcusable. should never happen. Um, and and he's got to play better. Devin can play better. You know, I think both those players are really, really good players, and, and we need them to play. Um, and then, you know, we got to start faster. You know, really disappointed in that. Um, and then I already talked about we didn't get any – we got zero points off two turnovers. Yeah. That's Mountaineer head football coach Neil Brown as he met with the media and talked about the Oklahoma State loss and turned his attention uh, to this upcoming week's game against UCF, which again will kick at noon and the Golden – or the Knights – Got corrected by Marsha Cavalla for calling them the Golden Knights. I think they haven't been the Golden Knights since 2007. Uh, I know they changed it because they wanted to sell more merchandise, but in my heart, they're always the Golden Knights. Um, with that said, you know. We forget where they were the Citronauts, too. That's a good point. That yeah, was they were the Citronauts, the, yeah. Yeah, it's a very good point. Anyways, Neil, he said exactly what I said yesterday. I mean, this team's two, three bounces away from being 6 and 1. It's all shoulda, coulda, woulda. Now they go from a team that would be ranked right now and still competing for a spot in the Big 12 championship game to a team that's going to struggle to find bowl eligibility. I was excited with how Justin Johnson played. I have to say that I agree with Neil that uh, Garrett Green's probably played the two best games in a row of his career. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm really concerned about this team defensively, and I'm concerned about this team's ability, like you mentioned, uh, to do more than go 6-6 six and six and get dominated in a bowl game. Yeah, that, that's my real concern right now for this team. If they're just going to sneak themselves into bowl play and then go against a team that's been playing good, like what if a team like Colorado they get a Colorado in a six and six bowl game against somebody and the Buffs absolutely beat up on WVU or something like that? I, I'm not too sure about what's going to be the future, what'll be the bowl game, or if they're going to make a bowl game, if that. But we'll have to see. I mean, it's again, it's Oklahoma State team is playing really good right now. We talked before this game saying if there was a game that WV was going to drop, it probably was going to be that one just because Coach Gundy's been doing this for a long, long time. And somehow he's rallied a bad Oklahoma State to a 5-2 and two record. And they're suddenly now in contention in the Big 12. So it's it, – the, the league has been – the conference itself has been very weird this year because Houston almost beat Texas over the weekend as well. It's just been – the UCF almost beat Oklahoma – it's been a really weird year in the Big 12 where all the teams have been competitive for the most part. It just takes WVU's got to be on some right side of the balances coming in the next few weeks of the season, and hopefully it starts with UCF this weekend. Another break to take when we return. We'll talk about just a tiny bit more about Tyson Bajan. We'll look back at Monday Night Football and the Major League Baseball postseason as well. This is Panhandle Sports Live on WBPM and WCST.
He's had an absolutely fantastic season, especially coming in relief for Justin Jefferson. It was just something you look for in guys like that. Addison was a star, of course, a Blitnikoff Award winner. Spent some time at Pitt, spent some time at USC as well. He's a fantastic wide receiver and someone who's going to fit really well in that Vikings offense for the future. He's really starting to get things going. And as a Vikings team, they're they're starting to pick up a little bit of heat here. They've gotten a couple quality wins, and then there could be a chance. I'm not saying wild card right now for Minnesota. They turn things around right now, but they've got potential to have that second season turnaround do the Vikings, and it's it's just a wide-open NFC right now from what all I've seen. Adolis Garcia drove in five runs as Game 7 went to the Rangers yesterday. 11-4, to they defeated the Houston Astros, and Garcia was the catalyst of the majority of it. He had the, uh, the cap-off home run for the 11th run of the game, hitting a solo shot. Here's how it sounded on ESPN Radio along with the final call. Sky high to left, and the Crawford boxers are waiting, and that's where it lands! Adolis Garcia has his second home run tonight and his 20th RBI of the postseason. Rangers ready to explode over the dugout rail. Their fans behind him standing. One ball, two strikes, two out pitch to Tucker. On the ground to second, should do it. Simeon throws to first, and the Texas Rangers. 90 wins in the regular season fly cross country. And their journey will bring them to the World Series for the first time since 2011 as they roll over the Houston Astros. So we've got one of our two World Series participants. We'll have another one by the end of the day. As uh, At 8 o'clock tonight, it's Game 7 between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. As uh, Cattell Marte had a heck of a game for the Diamondbacks as they were able to win yesterday. Uh, here's one of his RBI singles, as you could have heard it, on KMVP. His 2-2 pitch to Marte with one out. And a base hit. Here comes Perdomo around third. He's going to score another RBI hit by Marte, and it's 5-1 Diamondbacks. All right, so we've got a game seven tonight between those two. Uh, who are you rocking with, Park? Uh, I'm going to support Dr. Generosity and his Phillies fandom. I'm going to go with the Phillies for this one. But I, I'm fine with either one of these teams making it to the World Series and getting on from that point. Uh, absolutely. So that's at uh, seven, eight o'clock tonight on uh, TBT. It's Ranger or TBT, TBS. Uh, Ranger Suarez is going to be pitching in that game uh, for the Phillies, and I'm going to be excited to see what he can do. We got a break to take. When we return, we're going to be joined by Washington head football coach Terry Ray, as he's uh, one half of our Panhandle High School football game of the week coming up for this Friday night. We'll get to that conversation in a moment. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, final segment of Panhandle Sports Live on this Tuesday edition. Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone hanging out with you, and we're now joined by uh, Terry Ray of those three and five Washington Patriots. That's one half of our Panhandle High School football game of the week that you can hear coming up this Friday night with our pregame coverage beginning at 645 here on these fine stations. Uh, but Coach Ray, let's start the conversation um, with last week's victory against Hampshire. 38 to nothing, the final score. Uh, you know, two tough games in a row for your ball club, getting shut out by two of the best defenses in the state. So you have to be pleased with not only coming back with a victory over Hampshire, uh, but putting up 38 points like you did. Uh, no, it, it was good. Uh, it was a good win for us. Uh, we played very well offensively. And there are mistakes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that, that's where I was going to take it to next. So, you know, we, I, I got to see some of the highlights from this game, and I, I know you're able to play both quarterbacks and put those numbers on the board, but you have to be happy defensively um, with your first shutout of the season. So, you know, how has that defense kind of matured uh, to be the, the type of unit that can put a goose egg on the board? because Hampshire ran a bunch of different offenses and uh, a few different formations throughout the season. But when they came out in uh, two-back split and they were running veer-veer option, I think it played into our hands. Uh, uh, the defense has done well all year. Uh, sometimes our offenses put our defense in bad spots and, and eventually uh, laws of averages and we give up points. Sure. Uh, well, Coach, how has this offense then, going back to that side of the ball, kind of evolved? I mean, we knew what you were going to have in an experienced offensive line, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the second. But, you know, some younger guys at the skill positions, you know, Tavon and Javon were, you know, key contributors the last time I saw you, of course, you know, with Terry Ray the third leading that wide receiver room as well, and uh, and your quarterbacks. I mean, it's been a, last, uh, a couple of weeks since we've laid eyes on your offense. How have you guys really kind of matured and settled into the unit that just put 38 points on the board against Hampshire? Uh, again, uh, Ryan got Ryan was actually at Strep Road and was uh, on 24-hour antibiotics, so he started the game, but he wasn't feeling very well. So Bray stepped in and carried the team through there. Uh, our offensive line has gotten better through the year. Uh, that was the strength of the game of the year. We had some communication breakdowns here and there throughout the year with those guys, like blitzes and so forth. Uh, our the Lauder and Tavon Jones did a wonderful job at running back on Friday night. And Javon and Terry uh, had a great game at wide receiver. Well, Coach, coming up this Friday, you're taking on Malsaman. Traditionally, they've been one of the better teams in the Eastern Panhandle, at least since the turn of the century. For a statement win in Season 1 for you at Washington, what would it mean to knock off Musselman? Well, Musselman's still Musselman. They have. Uh, we're going to do everything we possibly can to, to beat those guys. Uh, we're going to work hard all week. Well, Coach, when you look at uh, scouting this Appleman team, it's a it's a team that's gone through a transition at quarterback but still has a guy that can sling it. They want to run the ball behind a very seasoned offensive line. And then defensively, they've got uh, you know some playmakers all over the field that are, I'm sure, very tough to game plan for. So what have you seen from Musselman on film that uh, you know maybe intimidates you a little bit uh, when you guys match up on Friday? Uh, their defense is definitely gritty. Uh, they they uh, can swarm to the ball. They're very smart. Uh, offensively, it's interesting to see what they do because sometimes they're back here with that quarterback throwing the ball, and then other times they're in like a wildcat formation just trying to get the running back into space. Well, uh, Coach, uh, as a member of the media, I I've got to ask this question. I apologize. You know, you and Musselman are both in a very interesting spot right now where you've got an opportunity, if you're able to, to end the season in good form, to have a chance to be one of the 16 teams that go on to the postseason. You both are facing very tough uh, competition to finish the year. I know we're not focused on that game just yet, but, you know, how do you kind of, you know, prepare your guys for going into this matchup in a do-or-die game against another team that's going to be playing just as – you know, hectic and, and with as much on the line as you guys. We told our kids on the bye week before Hampshire that we're sitting at two and five. We got three games left. If we have any chance or any hope that we want to make the postseason, every game from here, game play we're preparing. Well, Coach, I definitely think some of the steps you've taken in the first year of Washington, I think it's very much ahead of where you've had it in progressing. So what, what's some of the biggest takeaways you've had in your, almost your first season coming to a close here at Washington, some of the biggest highlights you've had? Uh, 
I, the kids are great. Uh, they they keep working hard. Uh, we've had ups and downs. It's been a roller coaster this year. Uh, there's a few games we think we should have won, and we just gave it away with mistakes and turnovers. Uh, but the kids haven't given up. They're still in the system. We we practice hard every day. They're still studying and doing what they have to do. They're everything. Now. Uh, well, Coach, we'll uh, we'll let you go with this question if it's all right. I like to ask a, a kind of a personnel based question. You know, we know that you guys have a lot of underclassmen in the skill positions, two underclassmen quarterbacks, a lot of depth. You know, in your backfield at wide receiver, uh, and a bunch of players that are going to be a part of this program, hopefully for years to come. But you know, you've got a lot of experience and a lot of seniors on that offensive and defensive line. You've got Brock in there as well at that tight end position. You know, people are intrigued for you guys long term. I know we've got two games left in the regular season, and hopefully. More more for you guys, but um, you know, are, are intrigued by the skill position guys that you have coming back. But you know, maybe are concerned by what the trenches are going to look like in the future for people that are unfamiliar. I guess with your JV program, or you know, the guys that you have coming up, or, are you pretty confident you're going to be able to reload, especially there in those big positions up front, and uh, continue to try to build the program in Washington? Uh, offensive line-wise, we're only going to lose John John to graduation next year. Uh, we have a couple guys that are stepping in from the JV level. We have Chase Weaver, who played for us last week a good bit. because he's... We have Cam Taylor. who's Defensive line, that, that's going to be a little interesting. We have like, several different guys that we could plug in there at any time. But Brock, John John, uh, Garrett, and uh, well, Kojo's back. Uh, graduating off the defensive line, we're definitely going to have to replace those three guys because they've been mainstay on the defense all year. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning. We look forward to seeing you uh, coming up this Friday night. And again, uh, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, guys. See you all on Friday. All right, sounds good. That's uh, Terry Ray, the head coach of those Washington Patriots. And it's a, a really interesting matchup before we get to Parker's picks and wrap up the show. Um, you know, Washington is a team that was 2-5, and five, and a lot of people, including myself, you know, I wrote a playoff article talking about what teams needed to do to get to the postseason, and frankly, I didn't include Washington, and that's on me, because they have an opportunity to beat Musselman and go into a Jefferson matchup 4-5 and five in a little bit of a rivalry game and control their own destiny, the same way that Musselman could beat Washington and then go into Parkersburg with the same thing on the line so this is a, a really interesting matchup b between two teams that uh, certainly control their own destiny absolutely so i mean the winner of this game keeps their playoff hopes alive i think it's as simple as putting it that way if the loser of this game their season's probably done going into the final week of the regular season whether that's Musselman going up against parkersburg or washington going up against a team like Jefferson, whoever wins this game has a little bit more hope playing into the next week of the season. Whoever doesn't are going to just have to see what they have coming up for next year. So it's going to be really important for whoever comes out of the right side of this contest, builds momentum that final week of the season. Because right now it's crunch time. There's there's no room for error right now. So these te I'm expecting these two teams to fire their best shots coming up this Friday. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to have that Panhandle High School football game of the week broadcasting uh, right here on these same stations. It's going to begin at 645 and kick off at 7 p.m. No Berkeley Springs High School football this Friday, as Park alluded to. They take on Braxton County in a matchup that uh, is going to come your way on Saturday that you can listen to on the, the newly christened um, Cool 92.9. But we've got just a couple of moments left in the show. And it's a very special edition, as always, of Parker's Picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. 
All right. Unable to get picks for you on Monday. Had some uh, issues with my FanDuel app as well as my issues of uh, sleeping in on Monday. But <laughs> Yeah, so we're, we're going to take a look and see what happened over the weekend to wrap up. NFL picks were perfect over the weekend, by the way. Those were awesome. Those paid off really well. Uh, college picks, we were one for three on the weekend. We hit the lock. Rutgers, shout out to bowl eligible yeah. Rutgers right now. Shout out to the Scarlet Knights. But we're going to go ahead and roll forward. It's one of the few final times we're going to be able to bring the thunder for this year. So let's roll out Digger Tuesday. Let's make it special. And this is going to be a guy that is going to help his team, I think, get to the World Series. We're going with the hopper. We're going with the hopper. Bryce Harper hits a home run today. We're going to go with him. Feeling good about Bryce. It's plus 290 right now. It's a game seven. Bryce Harper, I'm I'm trusting him with the bat in his hands. I'm going to roll with Bryce Harper to get a home run today for us, as well as it is the first day of the NBA today. NBA season kicks off today, so I had a couple there for you. When Dinger Tuesday runs out and the baseball season's done, we're going to transition things over into Trey Tuesdays, which means we'll go for three-point picks. So we're going to go with Steph Curry with four-plus made threes today is what we're going to rock with. Is that what the line's at? Line's four and a half. That's crazy. Four and a half is the line right now. I'm Give me go, that. I'm going to go four plus for Stephen Curry's made threes, as well as I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic, 10 plus rebounds is what I'm going to go for. So again, our Dinger Tuesday pick, Bryce Harper is going to hit a homer today in game seven to lift the Phillies over the Diamondbacks. We're going to roll with him on Dinger Tuesday. And then we're going to go Steph Curry with four plus made threes, and we're going to go Nikola Jokic, 10 plus rebounds in that Nuggets Lakers matchup. <laughs> Texture says, "I hope Bryce Harper strikes out every time he's at bat." <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I, I know, Mr. Harper is a very divisive individual, but I, I'm rolling with him because because it's a game seven. We're rolling with Harper. Well, you know, we've uh, wasn't really prepared to ask you this question, but the dying seconds of the show. I mean, do you have a team that you think is going to distance itself as we turn our attention to this NBA season? I mean, you've got a Denver Nuggets team that's trying to reload. You've got Damian Lillard playing for the Bucks. You've got Chris Dapps Porzingis creating a big four in Boston. You've got the, the Sixers in their situation with whatever they can do to move Harden. Um, you've obviously still have LeBron out there in the West. Clay Thompson trying to figure out what Steph Curry and uh, Chris Paul are going to look like as backcourt teammates. I mean, as we start the NBA season tonight, is there somebody in particular that you think has distanced themselves from the rest? I'm rolling with my C's. I'm rolling with the Boston Celtics, man. That that lineup of Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday, if that core can stay healthy together, they're winning a championship, I think. That that four combo is perfect together. Drew Holiday, one of the most underrated defenders in NBA history. Jason Tatum, who I think can win the MVP this season. Jalen Brown, who is going to be a key piece in this offense. And Kristaps Porzingis brings an element to the Celtics lineup being a stretch big that they haven't had. My only concern is rebounding for this team. Well, who are they going to have? Because they traded away Robert Williams, who was their best defensive presence in the paint. How are they going to respond to that level? But for that big four in Boston, I don't think it gets much better than that. I'm rolling with that for the Celtics. Other than that, I'd say the Phoenix Suns, just because of the Durant, Beal, and Booker combo, how that's going to work together is going to be interesting. But I'd say right now, if you told me today, pick an NBA Finals, 
I would probably go with the Celtics and the Suns is probably what I would go with. I'd probably go Boston Phoenix for a finals pick. But I also don't hate LeBron making a run and making another. We're waiting on it. Lakers, Celtics, another round of it. But if today, if you ask me, I'd say Celtics, Suns is the NBA finals. One more thing I wanted to touch on before we end the show today. Uh, Musselman and Hedgesville, high octane volleyball matchup tonight. I had planned on going uh, before my car just completely shut down. So uh, we'll see what happens over the next couple of hours. Uh, And if I'm able to get over there, I'm going to be checking that out. If I'm not able to go, I would encourage anybody because that's always uh, it's 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 like the panhandle volleyball Super Bowl. It's going to be a ton of fun to check that one out tonight. Uh, And if I'm able to do so, I'll be posting some some coverage over on EP Sports Network on Twitter. Uh, But that's going to do it for us. Welcome back to Parker Stone. Uh, At the top of the hour, we're going to have another edition of Panhandle Live. You're not going to want to miss that. And then Hoppy Kirchville that comes your way at 10.06. We'll talk to you tomorrow for Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. See you then. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.